Today's intention is to begin, simply to begin, right here, right now, where you stand. And you'll find everything else that you need along the way. Hey, it's Bobby. Welcome to Student of Intention, where we help you enjoy the pursuit of purpose. Remember, don't wait, start small, learn as you go. Hey everyone, Bobby here. Welcome to Student of Intention. Real excited to be back in the Creative Palace. It's been almost a month's time and uh, we're, we're, we're making some changes over here. I'm on the other side of the table literally. So, uh, so get excited. And, um, uh, and, and, and in a second here, I'll welcome William, um, who I've, who I've communicated with over the past several months and just has a, a real awesome perspective, a real great story. So, uh, truly grateful for, for him being here and excited to share his story with you and, and get into the discussion. Um, I'm going to start with, uh, actually a story from yesterday morning, I went to go meet uh, a friend who, I don't think I've had him on the podcast, but um, have definitely mentioned him before, a guy named Kevin, uh, Kevin Winbauer. And uh, we meet up probably, you know, every, at least once a month. And um, we were grabbing coffee and, you know, Kevin has just some real exciting stuff going on in his life. He's uh, basically partner in a, in, a, in a big business, a business that's tackling the, um, we'll call it uh, the air, the indoor airspace um, commercially and, and globally. So it's just, just a big undertaking, a big opportunity. And, and when we meet up, he's, he's always excited to dive in and talk to about it and talk about it and, and get my take. Um, but, but yesterday morning, I, I sort of was the one who needed to share some stories and, and I kind of confided to him that, that, um, you know, that, that I just was, was a little bit lost in my own journey and my own path and, and struggling to understand how some of my, um, you know, some, some of my work blends together and, and what to do with, um, you know, some of my creative pursuits and what to do next with writing. And, and what was interesting about it is Kevin just, you know, I could tell when I started talking to him about it, he was just really taken back and really surprised that, you know, that I was just coming to him sort of um, in, in a little bit of a conflict. And he said something along the lines of like, come on, Bob, like you have it all. I'm like, wait, you're telling me you don't, you don't, you actually think about this stuff. You actually have some doubts and you have some fears. He's like, I mean, dude, you just crushed a half Ironman and you just finished your, your book and you, know, you seemingly have it all together. And, um, and, and that's just not true. You know, and, and um, it was a really interesting moment to hear, to hear him sincerely say this to me um, while me, you know, really feeling vulnerable and just being like, no, nah, man, I, I need a friend. I need an ear. You know, I need a sounding board. I, I don't need you to solve anything, but, you know, I'm definitely showing up and, and I just sort of need a rant a little bit today. And uh, I share that story just, just to, you know, to, to bring in the listeners to realize, you know, no one has it figured out. I, I certainly don't have it figured out. Um, you know, William, my, my guest today doesn't have it figured out. And we, you know, what the parts that we do have figured out, um, they're maybe short lived and, and a little bit fleeting. And, you know, part of this journey of, of, of student of intention and, and this podcast and the newsletter is me just sharing my own story, my own journey and what I'm figuring out along the way in hopes that maybe it gives you a glimpse into what kind of life you want to live or um, how you maybe want to approach some things differently or get through your own sort of tough time or, or lack of clarity. And the moment made me think of this really awesome quote. I, I don't know if I've shared this quote before, but it's, it's just one of my favorite quotes. It's, it's actually in Ryan Holiday's book, The Ego is the Enemy, and it's by Rainer Maria Rilke. And it goes like this, do not believe that he who seeks to comfort you lives untroubled among the simple and quiet words that sometimes do you good. His life has much difficulty and sadness and remains far behind yours. Were it otherwise, he would never have been able to find those words. And with that, I'll, I'll shift to my guest, uh, a person who, 
who I know has, has experienced his own challenges, his own triumphs, and we'll get into a little bit of that. Uh, William Willis is founder and CEO of Level Up Fun, a startup aimed at helping individuals and teams become who they aspire to be, one small rewarding step at a time. He's also the head field hockey coach at Gainesville High School near Washington, D.C. Coach Willis also writes a daily newsletter called Adventures in Life, exploring Stoic philosophy, Kaizen, leadership, habits, and the meaning of life. Coach, welcome to Student of Intention. Great to be here, Bobby. Thank you for having me. Yeah, those are really light topics, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, you know, we, we, we like to tackle the big ones. I don't know if we'll get to all of them today, um, but you sure try to tackle, man. I, you know, I, I've come to know you through your writing and, and really appreciate the, the lens with which you view the world. Um, you and I were talking on the pre-call and, and it's definitely different for sure. Uh, it's uniquely your own. And I'm always appreciative of, of someone that can choose to lean into that unique voice, even if, you know, maybe, you know, our, our sort of like judgment lens says, ah, may, maybe it could be shorter. Maybe it could be lighter. Maybe it could be right. more fun. Right. <laughs> um, but, but you're definitely you through and through and I, and I see you kind of chipping away at that voice. So, um, good on you, man. And, and, and congrats on, on all, all the content that you're putting out there. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I started this journey uh, about a year and a half ago, right before the pandemic. Um, I was an executive at a technology company, and I had just I'd had enough. Uh, it had been about 30 years. Um, I, love, I love software development. I still do. Um, you know, I, I went to college as, a, as an engineer. And so building things, tinkering with things, figuring out, you know, why things work the way they do and trying to make them better and just creating and building in general have always been really dear to me. And, but, you know, after, after enough time doing uh, something, especially in certain environments and particularly, you know, larger companies where you're dealing with uh, a lot of other things uh, outside of what makes you happy, uh, it tends, tends to drag on you, you know, after a while. And that had finally started getting to me. And so, and I was also, I just got over the age of 50 and I'm wondering, Hey, um, there's probably some other things I, I'd like to do in life, you know, before my time runs out, I'd like to discover what those things are. And as you get older, you, you get, there's this voice inside you that gets a little bit more insistent each mm -hmm. year. Um, and, and it's kind of, I, I liken it to the voice of regret. I didn't realize it at the time, but that's what that voice is. It's regret that, hey, there's something that I meant to do and I haven't given it my full attention. And so, and so, <laughs> so that's, uh, and that's not the voice, but, uh, you know, it sounds, it was sounding kind of like that towards the, pan, you know, the beginning of the pandemic. And as fate would have it, I, I basically just left my executive position right at the beginning of the pandemic. Well, I didn't have a plan. Yeah, real, real quick to paint this picture. Um, cause I want to make sure we do it justice, you know, going through your, um, your past history of success as a software engineer, right. Very, and, and it spanned a ton of companies, spanned a ton of opportunities and in a lot of years. So, you know, you spent, uh, I, I noticed that at one company called OSG and I actually thought it was really interesting. You wrote in there mission impossible projects, uh, and you spent 12 years doing that. You had multiple CTO and technical co-founder stints. And then your latest one was a VP of engineering gig at a company called Aura. So by all accounts, a very storied, accomplished, you know, technical leadership career. And then to your point, um, you know, that there is a voice coming up. You've, you've labeled, labeled it the voice of regret that uh, started saying enough is enough. Yeah, it finally got insistent enough where I couldn't ignore it anymore. Um, and it, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Frankel, Victor Frankel, and uh, he's, he mentions the existential void quite a bit. And that's what I felt like I was heading for. 
just kind of this void of just emptiness. Um, and you'd, you'd think after doing something for this long, something that I enjoyed actually for so long, you'd think, Hey, got it all, you know, everything I needs right here. I've been very successful. I should be very happy with what I've accomplished. But the problem is that's not what I was meant to accomplish. Um, or it may be only one of the things I'm meant to accomplish. And those other things need attention. And so when I left, uh, that was my task. I need to figure out what that thing or what those things are. I need to give them the attention they deserve. I, and I, I need to make them happen. And I need to make them happen while I still have time. And tomorrow's no guarantee. We only have today. We only have this moment. Uh, and, and that's the purpose of today's intention is you, you just can't wait. When, when, you, when you know there's something you want to do or, or you feel the need to do it, you need to make it happen. And you, you can't wait per, for the perfect moment. That's just not going to happen. Um, and in fact, the only way you're going to learn along the way is to do the work. Mm. You can't think your way to success. You can't checklist your way to success. You have to put the work in. And so that's what I started doing uh, at that point. And it's, it took me quite a while to even get to the point of writing. Um, so I, I, I always say that I, I traded in programming for writing right. one language for another, uh, <laughs> and writing to me is quite a bit like programming. You know, there's, a, there's quite a bit of power in words. They are executable in many ways. Uh, and writing is my medium of understanding. It helps me under understand my life, what I've done, what it means, uh, the perspectives and experiences I get from others that I, who I interact with. And that's what I do every day in my writing is I explore those things. I challenge them. I turn them on their head. I, I try to, you know, it's the engineer in me. I'm tinkering with them, whether it's failure, success. Can, can we ever really be defeated? For example, if we've, if we've learned something, I'm, I'm always thinking about things this way. Uh, like where does motivation come from? Um, what is willpower? You know, is it an exhaustible resource? I'm just digging into all these little areas and these areas, you'll notice they're part of being a creator or a builder, you know, making things. Uh, and so they're very important in my journey in understanding what those things are and how they work so that I can leverage them correctly. Mm. Mm. <sighs> don't we all, don't we all. And I, I, I mean, we'll get into to, to the writing and some of the stuff that you're doing uh, right now, but I, I want to really do our best to, to sort of discuss those first few days and first months um, of that transition. Cause I think a lot of people are going through this right now. Uh, I, I had a similar story myself. You know, I, I quit my job uh, as a VP of sales the day before I got married and went off to two weeks in, in Bora Bora uh, to give myself plenty of overthinking to be done on my vacation. Oh my. Uh, and like you, I didn't really have a plan. I just knew enough was enough. And, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, anyone else that's going through that um, or has, you know, that voice of regret chirping at them um, would do well to hear, you know, what, what those first days were like and those first months were like. So um, can, can you remember back then? You know, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really a double-sided coin. I, there, in one case, it's a sense of relief because there's an incredible, it was an incredible amount of pressure on me uh, as an executive in a technology company, you know, keeping things up and running, you know, every day, every night, you know, anything happens, I'm on it. You know, I'm, I'm there with my engineers, making sure they have everything they need, pitching in where I can. And there's an incredible amount of stress revolved around it. So first of all, it's just a great burden that's removed from me, from my shoulders. Um, but then quickly thereafter, I started thinking, now what do I do? I have all this, you know, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to not having this pressure. I'm used to being driven, you know, to succeed constantly every day, every week. Uh, and so it's a very, it was a very strange feeling for me. And then I, I think that then slowly turns into a little bit of a panic. Um, because I don't know what I'm doing next. I have no clue what I'm supposed to do. Um, it's kind of like the, the classic hero's journey. You know, you have the young person who's supposed to be the one, the chosen one, but they don't know what they're supposed to do. And so then they go on this, this, this amazing journey to discover that, 
that thing that they're supposed to do. So I'm sitting there at the beginning of my journey and I'm, I'm that young person now, even though I'm over 50 years old and I'm asking that question, what am I supposed to do? Mm. And there's no answer. Uh, and there can be no answer because guess where the answer is? It's right in here somewhere. And I have to go in there and I have to figure it out. I have to find it. And uh, I realized that fairly early on and I realized what I was up against, but I also realized the, you know, the pain of regret I would suffer if I didn't go down that path and, and figure that out, if I didn't put in the hard work to discover what that thing is. And so uh, that pain of regret is something that was, I, I, I can't face it. I just, it's too strong at my age. And so that was the thing that was driving me on. I don't think I could have done this like even five years ago. I don't think I was in the right place to just leave everything behind like that. Um, so that's how it started. So that's a kind of the range of emotions I was going through uh, at the beginning. And then what did the, what did the sort of first actions look like? Cause you're definitely a person. I mean, your intention was to begin, which I love. Uh, and I'm all about, you know, just, just, just going and, 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 you know, the answers will start to reveal themselves. Um, what did your first, you know, sense of action look like? Did you, you know, was it, was it diving back into coaching? Was it, um, you know, jumping into some, you know, creative communities or, you know, just tinkering around with, uh, with writing? What, what were those sort of first intentions and actions that you took to, to start to discover? Yeah. The, so the first thing I did was I, I kind of fell back on my old standby, which is programming. So I just started you know, developing software, you know, writing code kind of more related to discovery, um, like creating little apps to, you know, to, to kind of discover my favorite things, to share them with people, to do that sort of thing. And that was, that felt good, you know, cause it felt comfortable. Um, I was in my comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I started I started thinking about the idea of a comfort zone at that point. And uh, it actually took me about six months to figure out, hey, you know what? You're copping out here. Uh, and that voice of regret was, was getting even more insistent. So I knew something wasn't right. Um, and I even thought I had a few things that might be successful. But the problem is that path was kind of leading back to where I'd come from. Uh, and I realized that about six months later. And I was like, you know what, in order to make this work, I have to, I have to race outside of my comfort zone. It's almost like a, you know, the, our poor dogs, when we put those invisible fences in, you know, if you run fast enough, you can get, you can get through that fence. <laughs> and so that's kind of what I needed to do. And so that's when I traded in programming for writing. I was like, you know, I've, I've always been a pretty good writer. I never shared anything publicly. Um, and I'd certainly never written about this sort of thing, uh, these topics that I write about today. So that was the, that was kind of the new beginning for me. And that was me living constantly out of my comfort zone because not only was I going to write, I was going to do something crazy. I was going to share everything I wrote just publicly. Mm -hmm. I was going to put it out there. Uh, I started on Twitter and you know, now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I do I share it in different places now. LinkedIn's my, probably my favorite now, but, um, I was scared out of my mind. Um, first of all, I thought, I think a little too highly of myself. I thought somebody was actually going to be listening or reading <laughs> what I put out and they weren't. So I was basically, you know, that, that, that characteristic, you know, shouting into the void thing uh, that I went through. And I got quickly realized, yeah, you know what? It's okay. Uh, not too many people are responding. And the ones who are, are very kind. You know, they're, they're actually legitimately interested in what I'm saying. Uh, and so, wow, this is pretty cool. And not only the interested in what I'm saying, but even only when, when I had a few people occasionally responding to me, they were saying interesting things that actually kind of added to my existing perspective, uh, gave me some additional ideas. And that's when I realized that the true power of not just writing or, I mean, just creating in general, but of sharing it with other people. I always thought it was kind of the zero sum game where, okay, you know, if, if I'm going to share what I need, it's a transaction, right? Uh, if, I, if I'm going to share something, then I, you know, I need to get something back, right? I need to make money from it or do something you know, in order to get value out of it. But that's simply not true. You can get so much value out of just giving what you've created because you get so much more back to put into the creation. 
So my writing probably, probably improved much more rapidly than it would have otherwise if I had just stayed behind my own firewall and kept my writing to myself. So I'm glad I didn't do that. That was probably one of the best accidents, um, you know, that I, that I made along the way and then bore the, you know, the most fruit. But um, yeah, so I, you know, as you can tell, I, I'm kind of, I'm fumbling my way through this, but I'm starting to discover what works, what doesn't. I'm discovering the real value that I get out of this journey and the things that I'm doing on the journey. And then that just feeds on itself. Um, it motivates me, which is why I, at one point I, I, I wanted to investigate what motivation was all about because I, I had to send that motivation before you do something. But as it turns out, motivation comes from doing something that you enjoy, right? Doing something that interests you. Uh, and then that kind of motivation is a byproduct of that, just as ideas are a byproduct of doing something that, you, that that's of interest that you like to do. And so again, I'm realizing all these things along the way and I'm using writing to understand them because at least at, at my point in life now, I don't think you can say you really understand something unless you can kind of pass the Feynman test, which is can I explain it to a sixth grader? <laughs> so mm. if I can explain it to a sixth grader, then I probably have a pretty good sense of what this thing is. Oh, well, we're going to keep talking about writing, but you know, sorry, I keep going back to that. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's definitely where my heart lies right now. And I, I'm dealing with my own sort of um, journey of, mm, uh, of sort of letting one, peace go. I think you used a really good phrase is cop out. Right. And for me, um, you know, my very first, you know, I told you about when I quit my job, I went into sales consulting and, you know, sure. I was an entrepreneur and try am an entrepreneur. And, um, that, that definitely checked a box for me. And that was like real, it felt really good. It was like, okay, I've, I've, I've crossed a chasm. I've taken a different, uh, path than, than I was on. And, and it worked for like a year. And then, then it started feeling like kind of how you described. Where I was like, this just seems like it's, it's headed in the exact same direction. You know, right. it's not far enough removed from that path that I first thought. And I think in some ways I'm probably still dealing with that. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in that piece as well. You know, you're, you're six months removed from quitting your job. You clearly have a, just a crafted skill of, of building apps and programming, which in today, you know, I mean, that's just a, you know, that's a, that's a gift, you know, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of people be envious to be able to just spin out you know, discovery apps, you know, on the weekend. Uh, but for yeah. you, you know, you had to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, at, at 50 years young, you know, and, and you're the only one in this discussion, you know, it's just you and you, and, and only, you know, how unfulfilling it is or, you know, what's at stake here, you know, those regrets and, and man, that just resonates with me. I can just feel that. I feel that in my bones. Um, but, but something drew you away and, and it was over to writing. You, 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 you said, you know, no, enough is enough. You put that to the side. Right. And it's, it's amazing when you're, when you're alone, you know, how crowded it actually is in your head. Um, there's, there's more than one person in there. Um, and you know, there, there are critics and coaches in there. Um, I mean, some people refer to them as, you know, saboteurs versus sages, or there's, there's different names for them. Um, and they all have different characteristics. Uh, and I, I quickly discovered those voices. Um, but, you know, before I was so busy, and so wrapped up in life, I didn't really pay attention, much attention to them. And so they, they kind of ruled my life without me knowing. Uh, fortunately, I did fairly well in spite of that. But when you're on this initial journey, before you discover how important engaging with other people that are on the same journey of you is, you spend a lot of time alone with your own thoughts. And then you start getting a very good introduction, right, to those other voices in your head. Some of them are incredibly vicious. Some of them are incredibly kind. Um, and it's just a constant battle in there. It, it really is a war of art. 
uh, in the literal sense and there were a few casualties along the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So those voices were actually, it became very important uh, and they are important to me today. Now I know them, I name them, I, I know them by name now. So I have much better control over them myself. Um, but back then I was, I was still getting in, introduced to them and it's those voices that spoke to me. Um, at various times about, hey, you're heading the wrong direction, you, you moron, what are you doing? Uh, there you go, you're going right back to the same place again. So, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, at the time, I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. Why am I saying that to myself? Um, but it turns out there's, a, there's, always a, there's always a key message, even in the worst critic that's inside of you, there's an important message that's trying to be relayed, right, to your, to your higher level of consciousness. And it's, it's very easy to dismiss the, you know, the, the vile critic that's in, in you. And, dis, and, and by doing so, you miss the message. Um, so I, I listened early on, probably for the wrong reasons, because I was just used to beating myself up. And I'm also a perfectionist. But now I realize that, hey, I just need to let that, that, that voice blow through me, just like I let emotions blow through me. There's this fantastic quote in Dune, I wish I had it in front of me where, you know, it's, it's fear, right? Um, where, you know, fear, and you let fear blow through you. And then when fear finally gets through you, you and only you remain. And that's the kind of way I view these voices. It's kind of the way I view emotion now. I, it's not something I, I suppress uh, because there are important signals. There's important information being relayed to me and from my, you know, from inside of me to the outside of me. Um, and so now I pay a lot of attention to those things. And back then I didn't fully understand what was going on, but I was, I was starting to really listen to the messages because I had no choice. It was just me and these other voices and no one else in the beginning. I didn't, I didn't really have creator friends. I wasn't engaging regularly. I was just in my own war of art, uh, and kind of that inner battle with those inner voices. And, you know, it wasn't clear who was going to reign supreme in the end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Thank you so much for that. Uh, just that articulation of that situation. Like I, um, I can relate so much, uh, to all those voices. I don't think I've named them. uh, (laughs) Maybe I should, maybe I should. Yeah. You know, it's somebody told me once, sorry for interrupting, but somebody told me once that not only do they name them, but they actually give them an appearance. Um, and like, for example, the ones that ridicule you for being, you know, overweight or not working out enough or whatever, who would be the last person I would listen to? <laughs> so <laughs> you give them, you give them kind of the alternate personality of what they're preaching to you about. And that tends to take away the sting of what they tell you. So it's a very useful strategy, not only to name them because names have power, but uh, to also give them an appearance, give them a personality. Um, and I, you know, not go too far with it because you don't want to end up in a padded room, but you, you know, you, you want to, you want to have a way to kind of control those voices, right. Um, get the message out of them, but make sure they don't rule your life. Mm. No, hundred percent. Uh, I pulled up the Dune quote. I don't know if this is the right one, but I just watched Dune. So you got me excited. And, and I did <laughs> notice, uh, there was there was some really good quotes in there, some some really oh, yes. intentional language. Um, I don't know if this is the one you were talking about, but it says, <clears throat> "Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me." Is that the one? That's it. Oh, <laughs> can you feel that? I mean, that is just so powerful. It's it's almost primal. It's just it resonates so deeply when I, when I, and I, you know, I never, I read the book a long time ago. You know, I, of course I was, I devoured the, the recent movie, but I, I did, I, I forgot about things like that. And when I read that again recently, it's just, it hit me right between the eyes. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy how much, you know, certain staples, you know, things like, like fear and meaning and, um, you know, humility and, uh, you know, wisdom, you know, the, these things just come up uh, again and again, time, you know, they're, they're timeless, um, you know, ideas, challenges, struggles, et cetera. 
Um, and we, as you know, as humans just continuously try to figure out how to, how to, how to nail them down and, and figure out how to use the, the, you know, quote unquote, positive ones and sort of mitigate the negative ones. Yeah. Wisdom is, is an interesting topic. Um, you know, I, I've played a lot with learning versus wisdom. Um, what is the difference between those two things? And the conclusion I've come to is learning is, you know, these are ideas that you pick up that you're okay. So I read something, I watch something, so I'm familiar with it, but I don't truly understand it yet. And I won't understand unless I actually apply it in my life. Um, and when I do apply it in my life, so when I use it in, in the act of doing something, then it becomes wisdom mm -hmm. because I have actually used what I've learned and I've gotten much more intimately familiar with it through using it. And that's the only way you can get real. And that byproduct is that comes out of it is wisdom. So that's how you make someone's, you know, uh, knowledge or wisdom, their own wisdom, your own. You don't just, I don't think you just, you know, get more wisdom just by listening to somebody or watching somebody do something. And as a coach, I know this intimately, um, you know, I, I can't just watch somebody and get good by watching them. Right. I have to get in there, roll my sleeves up and do it. I have to feel the pain of what they're going through. I have to feel the struggle, the, the beating, the beating of my heart, how fast it's beating, how exhausted I might be, um, what my mental state is, what the sounds are, what the smells are, what it feels like. Um, you know, I have to be in that moment to understand what the pressure is like. I mean, there's just so many components of being an athlete, but it applies to anything in life that you do. And you just need to experience it. You need to be immersed in it. You need to marinate in it. And when that happens, this is where wisdom comes from. I'm convinced. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, that's an, a very important distinction in my life right now. And I try to live that every day. I'm not, I'm certainly imperfect, but I try to make sure that the things that I really, that res really resonate with me that I really care about I try to make sure that I actually apply them in my life and in the work that I'm doing so that I can then become intimately familiar with them. And then the challenge is how do I share that knowledge that my wisdom with other people, because it's hard to explain something in mere words, which is one of the reasons I try to draw things as well, or sketch things or visualize them because it's another way to help people kind of understand what I'm trying to talk about. I think a good example of that is, is the, is the article today and in the, in the visual I put in there where, I kind of, I kind of envision ideas as these carbonated bubbles that come off of the work you do. So as you're working away on this, on whatever it is that you love to do, these, these little ideas, they start bubbling up to the top and the bubbles get a little bit bigger as they get to the top. And then when they reach the surface, these ideas are popping out all around you. And some of the ideas you know, um, your curiosity just gets the best of you and you, you just have to experiment with those new ideas. Um, and then a new problem arises, which is just another idea. And why, I, how do I solve that problem? So let me run this little experiment. And you just keep going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. Uh, and that's the value of work. That's the value of doing something. And that's the process of converting knowledge into wisdom. Mm. It is a process for sure. And um, I'm, so, so, so the, I think this is a really interesting time for you that, again, just selfishly, I, I kind of want to steal some, some wisdom here from you, coach. Um, you know, you, you obviously have a totally different amount of wisdom after, you know, 25, 30 years of, you know, running programming teams, doing it yourself, you know, doing it at that level compared to, you know, writing and writing about philosophy, Stoic philosophy, you know, et cetera, for what we'll say a year at most. Yeah, we'll be generous. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, how, how do you feel about that, um, that sort of baton passing, right? Like, I think it's, it's particularly interesting for a person of your age at your stature of accomplishment, like, that that's gotta be a little bit, is it still there? Is it still like, well, that, that application programmer life is still within reach. 
But this one is is taken off in its own right. Like you you've definitely stuck to it enough that you're no you're no spring chicken with regards to <laughs> you know writing. You know you're 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 accomplished enough. But but yeah, get get down in the details of like those being in the middle of those two worlds still, or is it just totally off to the side? And, you're off and running and not looking back. Well, I would say it's, it's really good for me, honestly. It's good for anybody to experience this sort of thing where you, you're a beginner again. Yeah. Right? So you're not this expert. And you, at, at the end of my, toward the end of my career in software, I mean, you know, people, most of the people I work with, they would look at me with respect. Like, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. Um, not just because of his title, but I work with this guy and he's been doing it a long time. And, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of value there. And after a while, I don't care how good of a person you are internally, uh, how hard you work to, to try to prevent this from happening, you get a little used to it and you kind of lean on it. It's a little bit of a crutch. And I didn't realize that until I was out of it. I was like, whoa, uh, I'm looking back on kind of where was and how it was operating. And I see things in a quite a different perspective now. Um, but I was, I'm, I'm very happy to have been reintroduced to the, uh, it goes by different names. And in fact, it even shows up in some religious philosophies like Buddhism, but it's the beginner's mindset, right? Or the, you know, the, the, the kind of the lifelong apprentice, uh, that, that type of thing. And I now think that everyone should have something that they're terrible at. They should, they should always try to do something that they're not good at. Mm. Um, and there's, there's a couple of good things that come out of this. Number one, it keeps you grounded, obviously. Uh, two, it reacquaints you with the idea of wonder, right? So you are discovering new things at a rapid pace because you simply don't know. You, you haven't done that thing. You're not very skilled at it. And so every day is a new discovery, you know, every day is a, you know, you get better. And that's kind of the, I'm going to the third thing now, which is you rapidly improve. You understand, you get reacquainted with what it's like to have like the, the beginner gains. Uh, you know, this is talked a lot about in, in strength training, for example, you know, the first, you know, three weeks, four weeks, when you begin a strength training program, you get massive gains. I mean, you get strong, really fast, uh, you know, you, you haven't been doing it long enough to, to run into issues where you're or maybe fatiguing yourself. Um, and you just get all these great gains and it's such a euphoric time. Right. And then there's the, there's the plateau and then the crash right after that, when you realize, Oh, gains are over. Now you have to really work hard for this. <laughs> right. right. Now I have to really want it, uh, because the gains are going to be a little bit hard. I mean, there's, they still come a lot faster than, than an advanced, you know, a person or somebody who is who we would say has mastered the skill, but it, it gets progressively more difficult to make gains. And so that's why I now enjoy learning new things. And I, and I think creativity, the creativity, the creative spark within us um, wants to do that sort of thing. It, it always wants to work on new things. It always wants to create new things, to build new things. Uh, and I think I was just so busy in my life. It was it, my, my work was my life. And I just didn't pay attention to those, those needs. And I, that need, I think, is a need that comes from your soul. Your soul is, 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 is born and created to be creative. Um, it needs to build something. It needs to create something. So that helped because when I discovered hey, I don't have all this pressure anymore, now I'm hearing that loud and clear. I'm hearing the, the internal drive to want to create things, to do new things. Uh, and, and, it, and, and that was a great part of the journey for me, honestly. Um, I, it was an unexpected surprise. It was an unexpected gift. I didn't expect being an apprentice again, being a, a beginner again. I didn't expect to find so much joy in it. I thought it would be terrible because, oh my gosh, I'm so bad at this. Uh, and you can certainly let that, that kind of thought rule you. But uh, I also love flipping perspectives a lot. And I think the opposite of that perspective is actually it's a good thing because I'm getting all these wins. Every day is a new win. Every day I'm better. Every day, I mean, I can see the progress. And that in itself is incredibly motivating. It's incredibly inspiring. And that's why I now think that everyone should have that apprentice mindset. Everyone should be working on something that they're a beginner at. 
that they're new at, right? Because that's where you're going to really feel that, that, that internal creativity. You're going to give it, you're going to give it a place where you can channel it. Uh, and you're going to get the rewards of that too. And it actually benefits all, all the other aspects of your life. It really does. It carries from that point into every other area of your life. Yeah. You, you really got me with the, the sort of allow for wonder in, in our world. I don't think we allow for wonder enough and certainly, you know, diving into a new challenge, you know, something where we're, we're out of our comfort zone, uh, where we are, you know, humbled by being a beginner, um, does lend itself to that. Uh, and I experience that all the time. Um, you know, over the last year with, with the podcast, with the newsletter, with the book. <clears throat> so yeah, wonderful, wonderful. I hear you there. Um, at the same time, like it's, it's, you do have to, you do have to put in the work to get there. You know, you, 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 you have to cross some plane to, to get to that experience. And, and it's just not easy, right? Like, I, I, I love the perspective. I love that you flipped it and you're like, hey, man, like, uh, you know, I, I just love being a kid and, and scraping my knee and, and not being the master in the room, not feeling that ego of like, hey, I, I'm the big boss here. I know everything. <laughs> and at the same time, you know, people that, that go through transition, they're, they're maybe not going to love that at first. So what, or, or at least not, not, not know what to do in that situation. So what has provided you, you know, anchors um, and, and routine to, to sort of get you to that point? Um, what are some of the things that you've been doing um, to, to, to lend itself to, to experience wonder and, and get through some of the messy beginning stuff and actually even realize those beginner gains? Well, one of the first things, you know, I, is, a re, is I think awareness is very important in anything that we do. Um, if you're trying to figure something out, if you're trying to understand what's going on, just being aware of whatever the thing is, is very important. And so I, I quickly became aware that, hey, you know, when, when we were children, we, we just went from one thing to the next. If it didn't interest us, heck with that thing, I'm on to the next thing, right? Until I was enjoying myself again and having a blast and let, you know, kids laugh a lot. I love that giggle of, of, of little kids. It's just, it's so amazing. Um, it's like bottled energy. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, you know, we lose that as we become adults, we get, it's basically drubbed out of us. Um, and we're told, okay, that's, that's a very childlike thing to do. You gotta be serious now, right? You got responsibilities, you got to find a good job. You got to get that house. You got to raise your family. Now you have, you're responsible for raising these kids. You know, you, you don't have time to just constantly play around. Um, and I think that's incredibly sad, right? Because there's another way to look at this, which is, you know, where that, that line between work and play is, I, I think it's largely an art, 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 artificial boundary. I mean, Haley, the, the, the guy who basically, I think he coined the term flow. Or, or basically made it popular. Um, um, he, he actually, did, you know, he, he talks about children and, and how they're kind of these, these natural masters of flow. Um, and, you know, children just go from one flow moment to the next. And I was like, you know, I, I think I really need to rediscover that. I, I really need to rediscover what it was like as a child to just, just be immersed in things that I enjoy to kind of lose track of time. Um, and that's, you know, I started thinking about things that, that would, that would take me down that path and allow that to happen naturally. And I came to the conclusion that no matter what I end up choosing to do, and I think it'll be more than one thing. I think I always need to make room in my life to allow those moments of flow, to be a child again, because that's what my soul wants to do. Mm. And I, it, it's funny. We, we spent half our lives getting that drubbed out of us. And then we find the, we spend the, I, I'm, I'm guessing that most of us spend the second half of our lives trying to rediscover it. So we kind of go full circle back to our childhood. And for anybody who's as old as I am, if you remember the series, Mork and Mindy. Uh, I remember uh, Mork and Mork Mindy. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. So, so Mork, you know, he's like from this alien civilization. Yeah. Nanu, Nanu, right. Um, and it, they actually age backwards. 
Uh-huh. So they, they're born as adults. And as they get older, they become children or they, you know, at least physically. Uh, and I was like, you know, I didn't, I don't know if they actually meant it this way, but now that I look back on that series, I, I realized like how, how much wisdom, right, is, is wrapped up in that. How we actually becoming more childlike again, you know, you're becoming more human again, right? You're kind of, you know, connecting with uh, what it really means to be a human being. And, that, and what it means to be a human being means you actually need to chase after what makes you happy. And usually that's creating things, building things, knocking them down, rebuilding them, discovering, having that constant state of wonder of all these new things that I'm learning. And then what can I do with these new things? What can I make with them? And, oh, I want to share them with my new friend over here who I just met. Oh, and then there's another new friend I just met. We were so good at making friends when we were young. So I, I, I often say these days that there's so much wisdom in children. You know, if you just watch children play, um, you know, I never used to think that way. But now I realize the truth of it. There is, we do lose a lot of that magic when we, when we grow into adults. And I think part of my journey, the creator's journey, is really rediscovering that. Well, you got a front row ticket. Um, I know you're, I mean, I don't know if they're children, I guess. They're, they're in high school. What's, what's it like interacting with that field hockey team on a regular basis? And, and is that still hold true or are they losing that, that magic at that point? Oh, it's, it's still there quite a bit. They have no filters. They're incredibly energetic, incredibly resilient. And they, they just, they grow so quickly. These kids are just amazing. I mean, I, I come in, into the program as freshmen in high school when they're about 14 years old. And then they're around 17, usually about 17 years old. Occasionally you'll have the rare 18 year old. Uh, and there's just such a difference, right? Between those two ages. And coaching is just one of those rare things when you're coaching kids like this. It's just one of those rare experiences where you get to play a part in that growth, right? And there's a tremendous amount of responsibility there, but there's just, I just, I, I get so much joy from it. I get chills thinking about it uh, because we go through a lot together. You know, we're, we're working hard every single day. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm stretching them to their limit. I'm pushing them to their limits regularly. I'm pushing them, them beyond what they think they're capable of. And they're discovering, you know, they're slowly discovering, Hey, I am capable of so much more. Um, you know, they go through emotional ups and downs, the wins, the losses, you know, sometimes we win championships. Sometimes we suffer horrible defeats. Um, it's just a roller coaster, you know, with these kids. Um, but I just feel it's, it, just so gifted, right. That I get to actually, you know, be part of that experience and that I have this, you know, ability to help guide them through it, you know, cause I've obviously been through a lot of this myself in many different ways, not just in athletics, but in life. And so I often think I'm more of a life coach to them than I am an athletic coach because of just all the things that they have to deal with, you know, psychologically, um, the things that they, the pressures in their own lives because of the sport, because they have to practice so much and they put so much time and effort into it. Um, and that it, it doesn't always pay off, you know, in terms of wins. Mm. Um, so we try to focus on other types of wins. Like this year was a new, it's a new high school. It's a brand new program. I have no seniors. I only had a couple of juniors on the team, mostly freshmen. We're playing other established programs, varsity teams, getting our butt kicked all over the place. <laughs> And that's the, depre- that could be very depressing, right? Yeah. Unless you focus on some, you focus on something different. Like you're not so much focused on the wins, like the numbers, how many wins do we have versus losses for us? It's more about from one game to the next, what got better? What did we improve on? What did our opponent teach us? Right? So getting beat up actually gives you quite a bit of practice, right? When you play against somebody that's a much higher level, they really drag you up to their level, right? You have to, to survive. It's the only way to survive. I think I even wrote an article about it where I was kind of comparing them to, um, you know, these uh, baby lions. And so the baby lion initially is very vulnerable, very susceptible to predators. Um, you know, but that baby lion learns and grows very quickly. Um, and initially 
you know, they, they can't even, they can't even dare to, 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 to put a mark on, on the predators that are coming after them. But at some point they become the, they become the hunter, they become the predator and they start drawing blood and they start actually, you know, getting big enough, strong enough to fight back, you know? Um, and I kind of liken that journey to these kids. They start young and very vulnerable, but they grow and they get stronger and you, you, you have to, you, you can, one of two things could happen when you get kicked around. Number one, you could just give in to defeat. You can let it crush you, right? And just bury you. Um, or the other thing you can do is you can just let it blow through you. You can learn from it. Uh, you can just keep getting back up again and coming at it stronger. And when you're doing so, you're thinking about analytically, what just happened to me? What can I do to change this? Yeah, even, even the smallest thing matters, right? And if you keep doing that day after day after day, you know, even at the end of this season, we actually came close to beating some of these teams, right, on the field. And that was just simply unthinkable at the beginning of the season. Um, but you would never get there if you let this, if you let all of it, let the weight of it crush you. And so I, 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 athletics, just teaches me, teaches me so much about life. It continues to teach me much about life. You, you know, I, I think I know, I think I know a lot already, but every single year I learn something more from these kids. I think, you know, they teach me as much as I teach them. Um, and to me, like I said, it's a gift. It's, it's just a rare privilege to be able to do something like this. And then the insights I get from this coaching and athletics, um, you know, I get all these insights, these ideas and ideas don't have, they don't know boundaries, right? So they just kind of float over into the rest of my life and they give me all these interesting little insights into the rest of my life. And you'll find that quite a bit in much of my writing. You'll, you'll, see, the, you'll see the theme of athletics pop up quite a bit and how I apply it in different areas. And so, you know, I don't get paid much for being a coach. Uh, it's quite a pittance, <laughs> but that's not where the real wealth is. The real wealth is in the experience of coaching and what I actually get out of it from the experience side of things. And from that perspective, I'm an incredibly wealthy man. Mm. Yeah. It sounds like you're really indexed right now on, on the experience part and, and yeah. you know, the, the wealth part is, you know, that, that, that's been a part of your past journey. Um, yeah. What, what, and, and thank you for sharing that, that, I mean, you, you bring back so many memories. I, you know, I wrestled, uh, in college or in high school and then in college. And, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the program, my coaches played a big role in my life. Yeah. Uh, I actually reconnected with my high school coach not that long ago. Um, cause he had listened to one of the podcasts. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's such a, it's such a crazy relationship. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, just reconnecting with him made me think about just how, how crazy of an experience it was for him at that time. He, he was just finishing law school hmm. and he would show up at like five 30 in the morning in my house. And we would go run like five miles together <laughs> before school. And then he'd be there at school for, you know, wrestling practice and oh. Yeah, traveling on the weekends and just like to to put myself in his place uh, at that time is just kind of kind of crazy how much he gave to me and how much he gave to the rest of the kids and um, it's but it sounds like you know to, as I would imagine like you just get so much out of it yourself as yeah this. and you, and you don't realize that when you're when you're being coached right you no. don't you don't re you don't kind of think about those things. Um, but you know, later on you tend to realize them once, once you become the coach or, or once, you know, you see your kids being coached, you realize how many, how many, how many hours are put in and the best coaches, you know, they don't do it for money. They don't do it for material rewards. They don't even do it for the championships, although we want them, right. We certainly crave them and we desire them just like any human being would, but that's not the real prize you know, for us coaches, the real prize is just that journey that we go on with them and all that we, we draw from that journey. And that's, that's where the real wealth comes from in coaching. And I, and I liken that too, to just life coaching in general, when you, you know, coaching is all about 
helping people grow uh, from what they already have within. You know, a lot of people, they're looking for answers. We've already talked about how I was looking for answers on my journey. Um, and those answers are actually inside. You know, you know the answer better than anyone because you know yourself better than anyone, whether you're willing to admit it or not. Uh, it's just there's, you're clogged up by so much emotion, so many cognitive biases. There's just a lot of stuff that you plastered on, kind of like the story of the Golden Buddha where, you know, you know, we, we can maybe go through that, but you know, they, they cover the golden boot up with this, this plaster and, and kind of colored glass. Mm-hmm. Um, so nobody knew that there was a golden boot under there. And so that's kind of what we do in our lives. We accrete all this plaster and all this stuff on us and we lose sight of who we are internally. And the, and the great thing that a coach does is they don't just vend answers, you know, like, like candy. Uh, they actually help draw the answers out of you. And the greatest moment in coaching is when you're sitting there and the, you see the realization come across somebody's face when they finally discover the answer themselves. And there's so much power in discovering the answer yourself instead of, be, instead of being told the answer, right? Because when you discover it yourself, it's kind of, it's akin to working, right? It's getting your hands dirty, you know, getting all those sensations and feelings and getting intimately familiar with the problem and the solution. And that's what happens when a coach allows the person to discover that for themselves. And the coach is really just an objective mirror. Like I'm just mirroring, I'm just reflecting back to you what I'm hearing from you. I'm trying to make sense of what you're telling me. And it's just a dialogue, but I'm not trying to be the hero hero here, right? (laughs) This is your hero's journey. It's not mine. And Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to insert myself in there because it works for me may not work for you. But man, there's just nothing like that. When you see the real, that realization in that person that, Hey, I just discovered something amazing and I did it, you know, I did it myself. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing. And so I see it in athletic coaching, but I see it in life coaching and that's what coaching really is. You know, you're basically, you're, you're kind of that person's Sherpa. You're guiding them on that trail. You're trying to keep them safe. Um, you're giving them some important information along the way. Uh, but you're guiding, you're not, you know, you're not leading them to directly to the answer. You're just kind of, you don't know the path. It's their path. You're just there walking with them. And so that's how I kind of view coaching. And, and to me, that's the real gift of coaching. Well, it sounds like it's, it's a gift that you give, man. So uh, I, I love it. I love it. I could, I could definitely listen to you. Um, for an extended period of time. And we got so many topics, man. We didn't, we, we didn't really jump into stoicism too oh, much. Oh, we didn't, which is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, I'm just devouring all things Ryan Holiday these days. Uh, I bumped into a guy, William Irvine. Have you, have you heard of him, read anything by him? William B. Irvine? That name sounds familiar. Is, is there a book or something I should know? He has a book called The Good Life. Uh, ah, that's it. Yeah, he was on a podcast. I don't know whether it was Tim Ferriss or someone else, or maybe it was uh, Shane Parrish's podcast. I've been listening to him on Sam Harris's Waking Up app too. Um, okay, there's like a whole series on it. Um, yeah, no, he's great. I I love listening to him him speak about stoicism. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? Might have to have you back on here, man. You you definitely align. Um, I I guess I have one last question. Question. I I, I want to know. Um, it sounds like you're really good at sort of being present with this part of your journey and you're just, you're just, you know, really enjoying it, really enjoying the coaching, really enjoying the writing, really enjoying, you know, sort of this, this beginner process and this unveiling of your golden Buddha. Um, if you were, <laughs> do, do you ever think about what's next and is there, you know, do you give yourself space to sort of think about the future and, and, and where this might go? Or you're just like, I'm not, I'm not dancing with that devil. I'm just going to stay right here. (laughs) Yeah. I, part of me wants to stay there and just create and just create for the joy of it. Um, but there's another part of me that that's like, okay, so you can continue doing this and you can certainly reach people, but I want to reach more people and I'm just trying to figure out how to do that. Um, and I think it's important for everyone to understand that you have, a unique perspective on life. And it's an interesting perspective. And there's a lot of value in that perspective. I think a lot of people undervalue themselves. 
And so I'm trying not to do that. And I'm like, you know, I, I do have an interesting point of view. Uh, and I think clearly some, it resonates with some people. So I'm starting to think about how do I, you know, I, I look back even on this one year, uh, I think I'm probably up to over 200 essays now that I've written on various topics. And I'm wondering, what do I do with all of this? Like, what is, you know, it's, it's just sitting there in a pile over on the floor. It's kind of like my dirty laundry, right? It's like, you know, I should probably do something with this, maybe mm -hmm. fold it, put it away. Maybe I need to wash a few things. I don't know. Um, but I, you know, I, I can't just, it, it just keeps piling up. And so it's not very useful in that form. So I'm trying to think about how do I, you know, it's a good problem to have, right? Because when you start, there's nothing over there in the corner. <laughs> it's just you in the room and not much furniture, right? So it, uh, that's what I'm kind of thinking through right now. Like, what do I do with all of this material? How do I make it accessible? What forms can I put it in that will, people will find valuable? Uh, and so I think next year is going to be, I'm going to try to do something, going to try to, you know, productize it. Not, not so much to try to make a lot of money, but to make it more accessible. Like what, what can I do each month? What's something new I can do each month with all the stuff that I've created? Uh, and how can I put it in a form that's accessible uh, and readily available to people? So that's what I'm going to be, as I continue my journey and I continue writing and continue exploring and all those things, I, I don't want to stop that. That has to keep going. Mm -hmm. There's the new dimension now of actually going through the stuff, sifting through it, refining it, uh, and making it more accessible and in more readily available forms. And I think, I don't know this for sure, but I'm assuming that for creators that have been on this journey longer than I have, uh, I'm assuming that they go through a similar process where at some point they have that realization and they, there's this almost this internal tugging that wants, wants to do this. And I don't know that it, it, part of it may just for me, me, be for me as well, because maybe I'm discovering my philosophy on life uh, instead of being buried in hundreds and hundreds of articles. Um, it would be nice to try to spec that out. Like, what is my philosophy? Like, how would I compare it to stoicism? You know, how, I, how would I compare it to other philosophies in life and other people? And what would I call it? I think that's an interesting journey to go on. So perhaps I'll, I'll wander down that path at some point. Oh, it sounds like you're definitely wandering down it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you have the, you, you definitely have the foundation, right? And now it's, um, you know, it's, it's sort of that, that uh, reimagining that iterative approach, like right. you know, there, anything that you write at that, um, that with that much consistency and that much pace can always be sliced, can always be refined and, and tweaked. Um, and that's, yeah. and that's a whole nother process in and of itself. It is. It's just, it's, you know, kind of like it's turtles all the way down. I mean, it's, it's just one creative act after another, all the way down. And the more you create, the more you build, it's just the more the universe opens up. You know, it, I think many people, when they begin this process, they, they, they fear that they'll run out of ideas. Um, but actually, the, it's nothing like that at all. It's quite the opposite, actually. Because the more you give yourself to this process, uh, the more you get back. And you get so much back that it actually becomes a little bit overwhelming in some ways. And I'm sure you've experienced a little bit of this yourself. You know, the more you create, the more you engage with other people, the more you put things out there. Uh, there's just so many possibilities, so many things you could do. And I can, that, that's a very interesting problem to have. And I'm, I love the fact that I have that problem because uh, the opposite problem would be so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, well, thank you coach for, for coming on here, sharing your story. It's, it's an inspiring one. Um, you know, the things that you write are just thoughtful, insightful and, and well put. And, uh, you know, just congratulations on, on, you know, having the courage to, to, you know, sidestep one path and embrace, you know, uncertainty and unknown and, um, and, and just really appreciate you coming on and, and doing so. Um, you, you should definitely share, you know, uh, adventures in life, you know, what's the best place to go and soak up some more William Willis? Well, definitely. If you're in, if you're in the LinkedIn sphere, definitely connect with me. I would, I would love to engage with you. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I have a, the, the Substack newsletter that I have, Adventures in Life. Um, that, that's, a, that's a great pace to kind of every weekday I put something new out. So that's a great, great place to get it first. That's where it comes out first. Um, and I just love engaging with people. So, you know, please reach out to me. I'm on Twitter as well. Um, and I think in, in there I'm William three Willis is what I am there. And in most places, uh, LinkedIn, it's a little different. I think I'm B Willis cause I'm, I'm like an old timer on LinkedIn. I was probably there when LinkedIn was a little baby, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can connect with me there, uh, or, or the newsletter. I think those are probably the best places to go right now. Um, and yeah, I, I'd just love to hear what people think. I just, I, I just love engaging with these ideas. And I think the more, more people I can engage with, the more perspectives I can get on these ideas, then the better my own work becomes. Hey, it's Bobby. Thanks for listening to today's show. For more, follow Student of Intention at www.studentofintention.com. And remember, don't wait, start small, learn as you go.